welcome to the Head to Heal podcast, where you'll go head over heels learning about how the body and the brain work together to either feed disease or fight it. I'm your host, Jordana Sade, certified holistic nutritionist and founder of The Mindful Clinic. With a background in nutrition, behavioral neuropsychology, and hypnosis, I'm going to walk you through the root cause of your symptoms and disordered behaviors. The body has an innate ability to heal. No one is destined for illness, and most, if not all, disorders can be reversed. Come with me as we develop a new understanding of how you can use your head to heal and truly thrive. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Head to Heal podcast. I'm your host, Jordana Sade, certified holistic nutritionist, hypnotherapist, and founder of The Mindful Clinic. I want to preface this episode and all future episodes by saying that I am not a medical doctor and you should always seek help from a physician before beginning any new health regime. Okay, my friends, I am so excited to be doing a solo episode. I feel like it's been a little while since it's just kind of been me on here. Maybe not to you guys, but we've been recording in the background, all right? Okay, so today I really want to break down like three kind of consecutive, I don't know, I want to say pillars that are really important, not only to like heal your relationship to food, but also your relationship to yourself. And the reason why I want to talk about this is because, you know, I talk a lot about like food freedom or, you know, like weight loss and all that fun stuff. But at the end of the day, like, what are we really doing here? It's not about the weight. It's not about the food. It's really about like getting your life back and about being like that truest, healthiest version of you. And I really feel that for some people, unhealthy coping mechanisms can show up, you know, in drugs or in self-sabotage in relationships or in shopping. There's so many different things, but obviously for you guys and for my network, we're really talking about self-sabotaging as it relates to our health goals, right? So if you have a goal of weight loss, but you know, you keep overeating or you keep telling yourself, I'm going to start again on Monday, like something's not adding up here. And as you guys know, a meal plan is not going to solve this problem. And so I was having an amazing conversation with one of my private clients the other day. And she was saying, you know, sometimes she catches glimpses of herself in the mirror and she gets really upset because she's been doing all this mindset work and she's been feeling like so much better and better about herself every single day. And then she catches like a glimpse of herself in a mirror or a reflection in a shopping window. And it's not what she wants to see. Like she feels that the outside is still not really matching how she feels on the inside. And especially in the beginning of the weight loss journey, when we do it from a mindset perspective, like it's not going to be very quick weight loss. And most of you guys know this, but you know, the quicker the weight loss, the quicker you gain it back because that's not sustainable. Like the body has to feel really, really safe to let it go. But if you're rebalancing the mindset and you're not overeating and every day you're just feeling a little bit better about yourself, like of course the body's going to catch up, right? It's just a matter of time, which is why some of my clients years later are like, I'm still losing weight and it's the best thing ever. So anyways, the whole goal here is not just so that you can fit into your size two or size six, whatever jeans. The whole goal here is that you love yourself. Like you wake up in the morning and you're like, damn, I am so happy to be me. And like, it's just so exciting and uplifting and you have no problem putting on clothes and you go shopping and you feel great about it. And so we're going to kind of break down these three pillars, right? So there's the one pillar of like, okay, if we are going to reach that end goal of like, holy fuck, I just love myself so much. We can't have any self-sabotage with food, right? We can't be over-consuming. You can have whatever you like. Like there's, it's not like cake is going to all of a sudden make you gain weight. It's the over-consumption of those things. 
So there's the pillar of like food freedom, right? And normalizing your relationship to food. And then there's a pillar of like boosting your confidence, right? Like really being confident in yourself. And then there's the pillar of weight loss. And this is really just like rebalancing your body. And so with this client of mine, when she catches those glimpses of herself in the mirror and she like, it really puts her in an awful mood. And she tells me things like, when I lose the weight, I'll really learn to love myself. Like, how can I look in the mirror and love myself at this stage? And I'm certainly not saying that we need to look in the mirror and pretend like everything's okay. You know, that is just not going to work. You can't look in the mirror and be like, I love myself. I'm so skinny. Like, it's just not going to work. But she has it backwards, right? She will lose the weight once she learns to love herself. Because when you learn to love yourself or at least create acceptance for where you're at right now, then you're going to treat yourself well. And over time, the accumulation of like all of the good habits and like nourishing yourself and like putting yourself first and self-care things that you're doing is of course going to add up to this like beautiful life where your body feels safe, where your body can become a fat burning machine. But as long as there's like shame and rejection and like, like just like disgust, when you look at yourself, it's going to be very, very difficult to lose weight and to keep it off. Right. Anyways, this is why we go through like these three pillars. And so I want to give you guys really quick tips. So like we'll do like maybe three for each for how you can get yourself there. So if we look at the first pillar, we're talking really about like food freedom and normalizing your relationship to food and fighting for food freedom is really the number one step. Right. And I know I just told you you have to love yourself in order to find food freedom. And that is so true. Like these things are going to work kind of in combination with one another. But As long as you are overeating, as long as you're binge eating, emotional eating, stress eating, disassociating while eating, as long as you have food obsession all day long in your head, it's going to be very, very difficult for your body to lose weight because there's always going to be a form of overconsumption. And if there is any kind of like narrative around food where I'm eating this, but I know I shouldn't be. Remember for the primitive part of the brain, that's creating scarcity. And if the primitive part of the brain feels like you're going to restrict or pull food away, it's going to create food obsession. It's going to motivate you to engage in more of that eating behavior. And that's because the primitive part of the brain is significantly stronger and older than the conscious part of the brain. So in the very front part of our head, we have the prefrontal cortex, and that's like what makes us human. That's where all of your goals and your dreams are. That's where your favorite color lives. And uh, if you have a desire to lose weight, it's living in that prefrontal cortex. That's where we have impulse control and executive functioning. That's the part that makes us human. But in the primitive part of the brain, which is like the majority of our brain, when that primitive part is activated, it's going to bypass that prefrontal cortex. Like it shuts the prefrontal cortex right down. So you have no impulse control. So you can tell yourself all day long, like, oh my gosh, starting again tomorrow, I'm not going to eat that. Or like, oh my God, I overate at lunch. So I'm just not going to have dinner. Like, but you'll find at like seven, eight, maybe even 9 PM, like all of a sudden you're eating a bag of chips and you don't even know how you got there. Right. And that is such a classic example of how the primitive part of the brain can take over. So finding food freedom, like freedom around food and freedom around your eating behaviors really is one of the first steps that we have to do, because if you continue to overeat, weight loss is going to be really difficult. You can't like exercise your way out of a bad diet or overconsumption. So when eating becomes a coping mechanism, a way that your brain is self-soothing, a way for you to like find pleasure, a way for you to avoid a task you don't want to do, a way for you to avoid boredom or whatever it is, it's only going to make you temporarily feel better, but it's going to have long-term consequences, right? 
And we know, just to kind of top this all off, your intentions on what you're eating are truly more important than the food that you're eating itself, right? So I've said this a couple of times on social media, and like, if you're going to remember one thing from this podcast episode, like, please let it be this, but you have two options. You either change your attitude about the behavior and change your belief about it, or you don't do it. So for example, like if I'm eating some chocolate and I'm like, oh, I shouldn't be eating this, like only one more bite and then I'm going to put it away and you keep eating it, then like your attitude about that is really negative. So what's going to happen is you're going to tell your body that I'm eating something that's bad for me and the body's literally going to put it where you don't want it to go. You're also going to like create a program in your brain where it's like this is bad and this is forbidden and you know, like we love forbidden fruit. (laughs) And so if there's any type of like stress or whatever, you're just going to go right for the thing that you've deemed as like forbidden. Um, So if your attitude is bad about it, but you do it anyways, we've got a big problem here, right? So you have two options. You can change your attitude. You can learn that like, it's not that big of a fucking deal. If you have a piece of chocolate a day, like who cares? Oh my gosh, thank God my body's a fat burning machine. Like that's my narrative, right? And so you can change your attitude about it or you cannot engage in the behavior, but you cannot engage in the behavior and think you shouldn't because you're going to continue this like self-sabotaging cycle with food, okay? So here are my top three tips for finding food freedom. The first is you have to stop restricting. I think I've talked about this literally even just moments ago in this episode, but when you believe you need to avoid certain foods, the primitive part of the brain increases cravings for that specific food. Like if you had a dog and you told that, like you saw, you gave the dog a milkshake and an apple, the dog is not eating the milkshake thinking like, "Uh uh-oh, it's going straight to my ass. Like the dog's just like, boo, good. And that's exactly what the primitive part of the brain is like. It's like animal behavior. And the primitive part of the brain does not understand that like just milkshakes are off limits, right? The primitive part of the brain is like, I need to have access to food or I'm going to die, even though you're nowhere close to starving. And so... If you only had access to water for one hour in the week, like think about how much water you would drink in that one hour. You would drink way more than you would ever need in that one moment because the brain already knows and conceptualizes that you're not going to have access for the rest of the week. So as soon as you deem a food as bad and you restrict it, when you have access to it, when you allow yourself to engage in it, you will overconsume, and you won't really be able to have that impulse control or that executive functioning to tell you to stop. Right. And then you're going to feel guilt and shame after, which is going to perpetuate this cycle. Right. And the second thing is to find this food freedom is I really want you guys to find an expander. So I can be your an expander. An expander really just is a person who has the thing that you want and they're doing it. And they're also human because like weight loss is not rocket science, guys. Like we are not trying to grow a third arm here. We all can do it. Everybody has the same parts. There is nothing about weight gain that is genetic. Like if anything, it's in the epigenetic area where it's more about the environment that can turn certain genes on and off. But you have to put yourself in that environment, right? So you can't use the excuse of like, oh, well, her genetics are just better than mine so she can eat whatever she wants. It's bullshit. It really is bullshit. It's just you're just making an excuse and you're going to get stuck there right? There's nothing wrong with your genetics. There's nothing wrong with your metabolism. Stop telling yourself that, right? So find an expander, find somebody who can eat what they want and feel very like detached around food and also not gain weight. And knowing that they're human and you're human, of course you can accomplish that, right? 
The last thing is really being able to understand the difference between true hunger and false hunger. So the brain is going to tell you some crazy shit to get you to engage in that behavior. Like it's really amazing how like the stories the brain will come up with. Like it's, sometimes it might sound like rationalizing behavior. So like, well, you barely ate today. So like, it's okay for you to eat this now. And sometimes it might sound like you deserve this or like whatever narrative the brain knows that you'll give into in order to actually engage in that behavior. The brain's going to tell you some crazy shit. So you can't rely on like your emotions or how you feel in that moment or even the narrative that's going on in your head. You have to be able to differentiate between true and false hunger. And then you get to decide like when you're in the driver's seat per se, when you know, hey, this is probably a craving. It's okay if you still engage in it as long as you can get behind that. Right. But if you don't differentiate between craving versus actual hunger, then you're just going to assume everything is real hunger. And like this is one of the things I've been talking to my clients a lot, especially in the mindful method, where when we have our weekly calls, they're like, oh, my gosh, I was just starving. I was starving. I'm like, you have to stop telling yourself that you are never going to be in a situation where you're actually starving. And if the narrative, like if you keep telling yourself that if you keep saying I'm starving, I'm starving, I'm starving. Like, how do you think the primitive part of the brain is going to deal when it's in, like when it has access to food, it's going to overconsume because you've just told it you're starving, even though you're not right. And so we need to be very careful with like the language and the verbiage we use around food or around like even our hunger. So how I like to do this is instead of saying things like, oh, I'm so hungry or I'm starving. I like to say, I have a strong desire to eat right now. I have a really strong desire to eat right now. And when we can separate from that, it's not I'm this, it's I have a strong desire, right? You can decide now, now you're in the driver's seat, now you can make a decision. But as long as you identify with I'm starving, I'm hungry, you're not gonna be able to make a decision. You're going to like blackout eat and in autopilot behavior and like there it goes, right? So I like to use the words, I have a strong desire to eat right now. And last night, something really interesting happened to me where I, and I'm, I'm on my period, but like, I'm not going to blame it on that, but that is a factor here, right? So I had dinner, we had steak, which was amazing because it's like the perfect time of the month to like get my, my anemia in check. And it, it was very filling, but afterwards I still had a very strong desire to eat. I had a very, very strong desire to engage in eating. So I had like a couple pieces of dark chocolate and then I had like a midday squares bar. And, and, and honestly, the whole time I was like, telling myself, I have a strong desire to eat right now. Like I wasn't like, oh, I'm still hungry. Why am I still hungry? I was like, I just have a strong desire to eat. And sometimes that will allow me to not engage in the behavior because I can be like, well, I'll just have some water and then we'll see how I feel. But last night I kept engaging in the strong desire to eat. Now around seven o'clock came along and my husband was like, I'm so hungry, blah, blah, blah. I'm going to go and get some chips. And so we came home with, I'm not joking, like 20 bags of chips, like popcorn, literally every flavor of Miss Vicky kettles that you could ever think of, like all my favorites, like the spicy ketchup, the spicy dill pickle, it's delicious, all the stuff. And by the time he came home, I had already allowed myself to engage in the strong desire to eat. I had no desire to have that food, but I really wouldn't have been able to recognize I have a desire versus I don't have a desire if the entire time after I ate my dinner, I continued to tell myself, I'm still hungry. I'm still hungry. I'm still hungry. Right. Do you see how when we move it to a desire, then we can decide whether we're going to engage in it or not. And for the chips, like I don't really have a desire to eat them anymore. I already gave like I already had my desire. So anyways, 
that's just another tip. You can use that in conjunction with the broccoli test to really see if you are actually hungry or not. But step number one is really just finding that food freedom. Okay, we're gonna move on to boosting confidence. Hi babes, I am literally so excited to talk to you about the launch of my new program, The Mindful Method. This is the exact same method that I have been using for half a decade with my private clients on helping them to heal their relationship to food, to increase confidence, and to lose weight without dieting. If you are sick of not feeling like your best self, if you're sick of promising yourself that on Monday you're going to get your shit together and start again, and if you keep going on restrictive diets and you continue to regain the weight back, let me tell you something, honey. It did not work. Diets have a 98% fail rate, and you already know what's healthy and what's not healthy. You just continue to choose the unhealthy option and continue to sabotage your success. A meal plan is not going to solve this issue. Stop addressing the body with restrictive diets and crazy exercise programs and start transforming the brain so your behaviors can match your desired goals. If you are ready to stop overeating, if you are ready to feel comfortable in your skin, if you're ready to look in the mirror and love what you see, and if you're ready to lose the weight for good, I invite you to fill out the application in my bio. And if you're a good fit, we'll be in touch soon. I am so excited for you. Back to regular programming. Ooh, this is so important. And it really breaks my heart. I work with so many beautiful women, like beautiful souls, and they just do not like themselves. Like at the end of the day, they use words like, I feel disgusting. I look in the mirror and I'm like disgusted with myself. I feel awful. And I'm like, oh my God, I remember being there. Like I'm not sitting here being like, how dare you talk to yourself like that? Because I, I really, really remember being there. And through my postpartum journey with this baby, it was really hard not to talk to myself like that because like there was so much going on in my head of like, you should know better. This is your career. Like, how could you let yourself gain 70 pounds, et cetera, et cetera. Right. But at the end of the day, your daily behaviors are going to match your deepest beliefs about yourself. So if you feel disgusting, if you feel awful about yourself, you are going to behave in ways that match that identity, right? And so you need to get behind yourself. You need to be able to boost yourself up because you are all you got, honey. (laughs) Like nobody else is going to do it for you. Nobody's coming to save you. And so you can continue to be a victim of your circumstances and sit there and be like, this is so hard. I'm never going to be able to do this. I don't even like myself. Like, how can I go out in public? Everybody's talking about like, you can say whatever the hell you want and give into that and sit in your shit for as long as you want. But literally nobody's going to come and pull you out. Like not even I can do that. Right. I can only help facilitate the process. And I can get in there, like if you're a private client, for sure, like I'm not going to let you slide. Like I'm using, I'm like hypnotizing you every time we talk, right? But especially in things like, you know, all of my mindful method, wonderful women, like there is a process that they have to go through where they just like literally get the fuck over themselves because as long as you want to sit in your shit, it's going to be very hard for you to heal. And there is no reason why an approach like this wouldn't work for somebody. Like there's just no reason. You know, it's not 
restrictive. We're focusing on building your self-love. We're focusing on really building you up so that and changing the brain. And as long as that is the focus, then there you're not going to return back to old patterns because like you're not ever going to like hate yourself that much. You like you're working through the things that you've previously repressed that is forcing or allowing you to use unhealthy coping mechanisms. And so when people are like, oh, like I just like don't trust myself. I hear that all the time. Right. I get that. But you have like two options here, honey. Like you can continue to tell yourself that story. I don't trust myself and stay exactly where you are right now. Or you can learn to trust yourself and change your brain and like literally become the best version of yourself. There is like a bonus third option there where it's like you can do another diet, but like nobody wants to fucking do that. What a nightmare. Anyways, coming back to confidence. Confidence in yourself is so important because it impacts everything that you do. Confidence is your reputation with yourself. And if you have low confidence, you likely don't trust yourself or even really like yourself, right? And in many situations, this is going to show up. It's not just in your relationship to food. It's going to be the effort you're putting into your work or how you feel on a daily basis or whether or not you get movement in, right? So the first tip that I have here is just to make and keep small daily promises to yourself. The easiest way to lose trust with yourself is to say you're going to do something and then not follow through. I call this the conflict contract. If you say I'm going to do X, Y, Z and you don't follow through with that, you literally lose trust with yourself. How would you feel if you had a friend who was like never pulled through, who told you they were going to do something and then like last minute just didn't do it? Like you would not trust that person and you are continually being that person for yourself, right? So the first thing is like if you're going to make a promise to yourself, make sure you can keep it. Right. So if you're I've said this so many times before, but if you're not going to the gym at all, like don't all of a sudden decide seven days a week, you're waking up at five in the morning to go to the gym. Right. Start very small. And so this looks like, let's say in the morning, if you want to change what you're eating, let's say, and you're eating takeout for three meals of the day, if you're having a coffee with like two creams, two sugars in the morning, like can we for an entire week make it one cream, one sugar? Like that's a goal that is like, it's a very bite size, no pun intended, but like most people can do that, right? And if you can't do that, then we got to go even smaller and that's okay. So we want to make them keep small daily promises to ourselves. The second tip here is to really just fire that inner bully. The voice in your head that continually tells you you're not good enough, you're fat, you're not pretty enough, you have no discipline, I don't trust myself, whatever that inner bully says. The inner bully's job is to warn you, is is to humiliate you before anyone else can. It's like, look at you, danger, you look like shit, honey. So like, don't be surprised if when you go out, people think that like it's literally hurting your own feelings so that nobody else can or to like warn you. But the problem is, if that worked, like... When my clients are like, oh, like, I just like don't like myself. I'm like, okay, so what is that accomplishing though? If shaming yourself or being mean to yourself did anything, if it worked at all, you can continue doing it. But shame literally does not accomplish anything. That negative narrative, the inner belief does nothing but keep you stuck. It doesn't move you forward. It doesn't motivate you to go to the gym. It doesn't do anything other than keeping you completely stuck where you're at right now, because it's going to make you create an identity about yourself. I'm a failure. I'm fat, whatever. And your behaviors are going to match your identity, not your goals and your dreams. And so when you hear the inner bully, like I, you can do many different mechanisms, but when I hear my inner bully, I like to say things like, not now, bitch. I'm <laughs> just kidding. I like to be like, okay, 
thanks for your opinion, but I like, I'm going to go this way anyways. But if it's not a loving thought, we don't need to engage in it. So sometimes I just ask myself, like, is this a loving thought? And if it's not a loving thought, then I literally practice just like, this isn't important right now. I'm going to focus on something else. And the less time you spend watering those like unhappy thoughts, those negative thoughts about yourself, the less they're going to come because we're not reinforcing those brain patterns, right? So even if you can't look in the mirror and be like, I love myself, you can, you do have the power right now to not allow the negative thoughts to take up any mental real estate. And you can simply do that by hearing the thought and just being like, not now, I'm just going to drop that. We'll come back to that later, you know, and just focus on something else. And the last one is to turn jealousy into inspiration. This one is really important, but also kind of difficult, right? Like it's it's really hard, even for me, to not see people in my network or see like these amazing like influencers and other health coaches and not feel jealous of one thing that they're doing or another. And especially when I was feeling so unhappy in my own body, I would look at all of these like people who it looks like they just like came out of the womb that way, like no cellulite, nothing. These like Victoria's Secret model body types on on just like the average person. And it's very difficult not to like compare yourself. And the problem then though it becomes the more of a gap you see between you and what you want, the less you're gonna be able to attract it because you are going to manifest whatever you feel about yourself. You're gonna manifest where your energy's at. So if your energy is like, I don't have that, you're just gonna manifest more of I don't have it. It's too hard, right? And obviously, like I'm never gonna have like a Britney Spears body and that's okay. You know what? I probably could if I really wanted to. Like I just, I don't even wanna do the work to manifest that. Like, But there is the healthiest, like most lean version of me with my body type in my shape. And like, that's what I'm interested in achieving. You know, I'm not interested in looking like somebody else. That's not going to serve you at all. You want to be able to look like the best version of you. So here's how I do this. I literally put fucking blinders on. Like, you know, when horses are doing their horse races, they put blinders on them. So they're not looking behind. If you're looking at somebody else, like you're steering off your own course. So like, If you want to stay on your course, you kind of have to put those blinders up. And sometimes this means like muting people on Instagram. So like I've muted a lot of people, people that are even my close friends. And I don't need to tell them that, but I don't need to also like continually compare myself to people. So you do whatever you need to do for your mental health. But if you feel crappy about yourself because you're comparing yourself to somebody else, it's only going to lead to coping mechanisms and self-sabotage, right? So we want to turn jealousy into inspiration by recognizing like we're all human. You know, we're all human. We all have the same parts. If they can have it, you can have it. But you're not going to get there by telling yourself you can't or by seeing how far away you're going to get there by focusing on the light parts of yourself so that you can build up your own self-confidence in every day and every way you can just get better and better. Okay. And the last portion of the last pillar, the weight loss, they all, they all want it. We're all there, right? So the weight loss is important. It's not just about like self-love and whatever the weight loss, of course, is important. If the body's holding on to any weight, there are imbalances there. Now, this is kind of where it becomes my job, right? Like my job is to figure out what those imbalances are and whether if you're an MFM or you're in private coaching, like I'm going to get down to the root of those imbalances. And if I can't, I'm referring out. It does happen. Like sometimes cases are way too complicated. And in that case, like I have somebody who works with me and we work together and we like together, we come out with the same outcome, 
right? And so I'm not like sitting here being like, I'm magical or anything. Like I'm very good at what I do. I'm doing it for a really long time. And also like, again, you kind of have two options. You can stay exactly where you're at right now, or you can counsel in and invest and hire the help that you need to, whether that's me or somebody else that you're following, right? But weight loss is important and you deserve a healthy body and your body wants to be healthy. Like in a single instant, you have no idea how many molecular chemical reactions are happening just to literally keep you alive, right? Like your body really wants to be healthy. And so we just need to give it the right environment. Like it's constantly trying to balance. It's constantly trying to like, like burn fat, whatever. If it's holding on to fat, it's not adaptive. It's very dangerous for the body to do that. And so we got to get down to the bottom of it. So the first thing, and this is going to sound extremely counterintuitive, but the first thing is to follow joy. When we are happy, stress hormones are significantly reduced. When we have a lot of cortisol, when we have a lot of stress in our life, if we're like waking up at six in the morning to go to the gym to like punish ourselves or restrict ourselves or like like try and change our body or like fix something, it's only going to cause more stress. And this is something I recently had to learn. I recently had to break up with my gym. And if you guys know me, you know that I loved that gym. Like that gym was like a part of my life. Like it was a part of my family. Yeah, that's a topic probably for another podcast, but like, and I was terrified because we had just, we just moved into this beautiful house. We literally have a gym in our basement and we're down the street. Like I can throw a rock at the, the YMCA, not to mention all of the trails and stuff. Like I can run outside. We have all the weights here. Like there's just no reason. And yet we moved and I haven't exercised since we've got here. So I had to make a decision and break up with my gym and really decide to follow joy. And I was really taking a chance here. So what I did was I started to book ballet classes and I used to do ballet as a kid. That's actually part of my trauma because I was always a, the fat dancer in my class. But anyways, I, I'm loving it. Like not only has it changed my body, but it's changed my posture. I feel amazing. I don't feel depleted at the end, like during the day. And I've lost even us moving here, like about 10 pounds this month, which is like insane to think about because I'm not, I haven't changed anything about my diet and I'm exercising less now than I have probably in the past, like five years of my life, more than that. And so People get really nervous when I say like follow joy because they're like, well, if I'm not exercising, how am I losing weight? But you have to trust that like your body wants to be balanced. Your body wants to let go of that weight. And in order for it to do that, it needs to feel really safe and it needs to feel happy. And you are either in a state of fear or growth. Like every single cell in your body is either in a state of fear or it's in a state of growth. So if you're like one more rep, one more rep, like pushing, 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 like at a certain point, your cells are going to be in states of fear because it's too much stress. It's not actually accomplishing what you think it is. And yeah, like, I mean, I'm definitely, there is going to be another time in my life where I pick up another weight, but like right now I'm looking in the mirror and I'm like, fuck yeah, dang, like I'm so happy and I'm barely doing anything. And that's what I want for all of you guys. Like if you're going to move, do it from a place of like joy and desire and not from a place of like punishment or have to or shoulds. Okay. So we need to follow joy. And this isn't just in movement. I want you to follow joy like in your life. So like stop canceling that social event because you're too embarrassed to go. Like it's kind of at a certain point, it's like exposure therapy. You have to get yourself out there to feel comfortable in those settings. I'm going to share one more point on this and then I'm going to move on. But I used to be terrified of wearing shorts, like terrified. And especially when things would be in the summer going on a beach or whatever, it doesn't matter what size I was. Like even at my thinnest, there still was fear there. 
But once you just put the bathing suit on and you go on the beach, like that fear goes away. You get comfortable. But as long as you avoid the beach and avoid the bathing suit, like you're never going to get over that fear. It's the same thing. It's like negative reinforcement. Like if you get bit by a dog and you avoid the dog park, you're never going to get over your fear of dogs. Right. And so you kind of have to like expose yourself to situations that are going to fulfill you instead of hiding, because hiding again is not accomplishing anything. Like what's the biggest fear here that somebody's going to call you fat or the biggest fear is that somebody's going to like, like think something about you. Like who the fuck cares? It's none of your responsibility. Other people's opinions is none of your business. Right. The more you follow joy, the more your body is going to regulate. The next one is to stop counting calories. Okay. Counting calories is a free ticket to weight gain city. The more you count and restrict, the more you send the message that food is going to be scarce, which is like the point that I made before. The primitive part of the brain is going to think I'm not getting what I need. Like you are not a robot. You have different needs on different days. You can't only eat 1500 calories every single day. Like, especially for women where our menstrual cycles are so, like, they fluctuate. Like, we have hormones that fluctuate not just on a 24-hour cycle like men, but on a 30-day cycle and a 24-hour cycle. And so you cannot have the same amount of calories every single day in different forms and have the body still be getting what it needs. Because by doing that, you're not listening to your body. And if you're disassociated from your body, you'll never hear it, right? And so stop counting calories. The last thing is testing, obviously. So, I mean, if you're really serious about weight loss and like, and I don't just mean this from like a very superficial way, but if you're really serious about like wanting to rebalance your body and feeling energetic and feeling like you're your best self and getting rid of any of those like metabolic disorders and whatever, like you got to work with somebody, do the testing, right? So in mindful method and in private coaching, like we do the food intolerance test, we do the Dutch hormone test. We can do the GI maps tool too. I usually don't because if I suspect pathogens, I just like save the money for my clients and do it, like treat it. But yeah, you can be doing everything right. And if you're still not losing the weight, you're, there is an imbalance there. You're missing the mark. And that's where a professional can come in and actually like rebalance and change it so that you become a fat burning machine, which is exactly what your body is designed to do. Last night, I think I just told you guys in this episode, like after dinner, I had like a bunch of chocolate and had a midday square. And like, I just like, I, I felt the need, like I had the desire to continue to eat. I said on the scale this morning, my weight went down two pounds from yesterday. So like when that happens, you got to kind of take a mental snapshot and recognize it's really not about the food. Yesterday, I ate way more than I did the day before. And yet the day before when I stepped on the scale, like I did not go down two pounds, but yesterday I did. And so it has nothing to do with the food. It's like, how is your body metabolizing that? And where is it going? And how much of what you're eating is the body using for energy storing or eliminating? And that's what we get to manipulate when we get to rebalance the body. It's very, very fun stuff. So anyways, there are these three pillars. There's so much value in really understanding and working on all three things if you want to be your truest, healthiest version of yourself. And you guys all fucking deserve that. Like you just do. Life is way too short. Okay. If you like this episode, don't forget to like and subscribe. And I'll see you back on another episode of the Head to Heal podcast. Bye.